Welcome to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. One of the challenges in planning for retirement is figuring out where you want to live. And surveys show that most people default to the strategy of aging in place. I've seen one survey that said 90% do, and I've seen another that said 77% do. So suffice to say, most are planning on that. But what modifications will you need to make as you age? And my guest today asked a better question. What will you need to do to set your environment so that you can thrive? She says aging in place isn't enough. Strive for thriving in place. Lisa Sini is known as the leading long-term care design expert in the U.S., and she's been widely recognized for her contributions in the field. She designs award-winning spaces for seniors as founder and CEO of Mosaic Design Studio, as well as design for the hospitality industry. Her clients have included the National Hockey League, the United States Military, Brio Bravo Restaurants, PGA Tour, Country Clubs, and various hotels. She's also the author of three books, Boom, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Preserving Your Freedom and Thriving as You Age in Place, The Future is Here, Senior Living Reimagined, and Hive, The Simple Guide to Multi-Generational Living, How Our Family Makes It Work. She's received over 37 awards for her work, including 16 ASID Design Awards and a Distinguished Service Medal for Outstanding Meritorious Service by the Governor of Indiana. Aside after speaker, Lisa's been featured on radio and CNN, CBS, Fox, and NBC. She also appeared on Today in America with Terry Bradshaw and is quoted frequently in the New York Times. Lisa, thanks for making the time to talk with us today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I really enjoyed reading your latest book, your book, Boom, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Leveraging Technology so that you can preserve your independent lifestyle and thrive. It got my attention because I am indeed a baby boomer, but I also grew up watching the Jetsons, so it's relevant to a lot of things you talk about. You note that 90% of baby boomers want to age in place, but it's much more than just staying in place. What are some key design things people should be thinking about? That's a great question. A lot of people, like you just said, think of aging in place as staying in place, but it's not thriving in place. And I think there's a difference. I talk a lot about and have looked at technology. Our cars adjust to us. So I'm 4'11". My husband thinks he's six foot, but he's not. He's like, you know, (laughs) 5'9 or something like that. But our seats are very different. How my mirrors adjust to me, how my seat is heated or cooled. The passenger side has different adjustments. Where I can plug things in, how it can help me you know, control my speed, not to get too close to somebody, and even self-park. And we spend a lot less time in our cars than we do in our homes, yet our homes in general don't adjust to us, especially as we age. So when we're talking about aging in place, we're talking about thriving as we choose where we want to live. And that could be you're living part of the year in a different uh, area. It could be you're traveling around the country. It could be that you're in senior living or you're staying in your home that you bought when you're in your 20s and you've been there your whole life. So the point is, how do we get that environment to adjust to us, to allow us to feel safe and free and have confidence as we age? And I know, at least for me, I'm short. I can't just jump on a countertop any longer. And try and get the wine glasses down. I like it's a little 
tenuous on that. Like I might fall at any second. My mom has shoulder issues, rotator cuff issues. So getting things from the top down or the bottom up, back issues, knee issues, arthritis. So if you can have your home adjust to you so that you can still do the things that you love to do that make you autonomous, that give you independence and dignity and freedom, I think that's a win. And those small investments in comparison to what you're going to get out of it in years, in quality of life, in feeling good about yourself and being able to stay connected are like nothing when you really look at it. We just get in this kind of very like Scrooge McDuck or mentality that we've got to hold on to every dime because we don't know how long we're going to live. And then you fall, you end up in rehab and then you die. So it's kind of opposite. We've got to get so much more proactive on how we treat our house. And I know I didn't give you any kind of answer to what you said, but I can walk through those whenever you're ready. No, the phrase thriving in place is really a great way to think about this and rethink, reframe it. Really appreciate that. And so on your theme of adjusting, is really having having the house adjusted outside the car, it's a great analogy. What are some things that you do with clients that people should consider in how can they have their environment adjust them? Yeah, so I think the number one thing that if I could only say one thing, I would say lighting, having better natural light, having it on dimmers, having it on a sensor that when you walk into a room or when you get up out of bed, the light turns on in the bathroom, having the right color temperature light so that you don't have a night light that actually keeps you up all night long. It should be an amber color instead of a blue light. Having lights on the stairs so that you can see them easily. With LED lighting and the batteries, and they take such a low amount of energy, you really can stick a light about anywhere. And there was this thing that I went through with my kids a long, long time ago, brought in some special forces, and we were in a ballroom, you know, it's crystal chandeliers and everything. And they shut off the light, and then they shot a gun. And it was a fake gun. And all the adults screamed. None of the kids did, which was interesting. That's on a whole nother thing, but playing video games and that. And when they turned the lights back on, they said, did you run for the door? And everyone said, no. And they said, why? And they said, we all talked about it. We were immobilized by fear of trampling somebody or falling or getting trampled. So when, as you get older, you require about 70% more light than a 24-year-old to see the same thing. So having brighter lights or lights that draw you to something, making it easier for you is critical. And you're disabling yourself if you don't up your lighting game. And there might be, there's nothing wrong with you, but I think like if I chose not to wear my glasses that I have on right now, because I'm just being stubborn, I've chose to now limit my life, make it more difficult for other people. And we do the same thing with lighting. Wow. Something I have not thought about. Another great, great point. So as you pointed out about our cars adjusting to us, every year we use technology more and more and in new ways. We're really taking for granted things that 10 years ago would have been just impossible to, to imagine. But your book has a ton of specific technological tools that people are leveraging to thrive in place. What are a few of your favorite tools? So obviously I love like the height adjustable sinks and toilets and cabinets. I love that I can have my upper kitchen cabinets come down to me. And so I can store even canned goods up there and not worry about like falling over. I love that type of thing. I love a bidet toilet seat. 
probably if I have to spend money on something more than a light, not only is it healthier for you, it's better for the environment, but from a dignity and independence standpoint, not having to have someone to help you toilet is a huge deal. And shoulder issues, this is just a little probably more than anybody wants to know, but it is more difficult and more difficult to reach around the back end. So people don't realize that you become less mobile. And if you're not doing yoga every day or something like that, those types of just what seem to be easy tasks can become more difficult. So I love the height adjustable, the, my biggest win or the grab bar toilet paper holder, I think are fantastic. And then anything that's like the automated that can help you, like having Alexa wake you up or Google Home wake you up and help you with your routines. I find that as we work less and we retire maybe, and retire means to take out of use, which I don't ever want to be taken out of use. I want to just have the freedom to choose what I do when I want to do it. That when you're taking out of your routines, that's when our memory starts to fail. It's very difficult. If you've ever been on a long vacation, you're like, is it Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? Did we eat? I can't remember. So Anything that we can do to be our personal assistant, to help us with our routine, medication reminders, play our favorite music, tell us a joke, keep us up on the news is a great thing. I mentioned the Jetsons before in our first question, and it's been 60 years, I think, since the Jetsons gave us a vision of what life would look like in the future. Yes. What technologies will be standard five years from now that aren't considered such today? Well, we all know that the wearables are pretty standard now, like the Fitbits. And in truth, there's a lot of technology that we use every day that people don't think is technology. Like my glasses are technology. Hearing aids are technology. A pacemaker is technology. A glucose monitor that's on you nonstop, 14 days at a time is technology. Being able to monitor ourselves, like you can do an Aura Ring or the Fitbit or even your phone's Hearing aids really can monitor very, very well. Your health with data mining, you can predict a stroke or a heart attack about five days before it's going to happen. You can see that sleep patterns are interrupted and someone might be able to help you and you might avoid getting a UTI or having your medications all screwed up. Maybe they're not working well right now. So all those preemptive things are going to be a huge thing and wearables will probably move more into clothing or something that we have that we put on all the time. So it's interesting. There's a place called Dreamscape that is a virtual reality movie theater. And you go and you're literally in a a room about 15 by 15, but you feel like you're walking around the entire world once you put these goggles on. And I said, do we have to use our glasses? And they said, oh no, it automatically adjusts to your prescription and you can see perfectly. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting thing, right? is that imagine wearing something that is consistently automatically adjusting to what you need, whether it's hearing, whether it's seeing, whether it's giving you voice text or being able to translate. I think those things are going to happen like you wouldn't believe. And that really will help change how we live. I think right now we're in the space where There's too many technologies out there. We don't know what's good, what's bad. They come and go very, very fast. Then you become disinterested. iPhone was fantastic for older adults at the beginning. 
and their latest versions, I just got the latest version. I can't figure out how to turn it on and off. So they're not making things as smart and as intuitive as they should in certain aspects. And I think that is going to be a problem. The more intuitive, like the glasses I was talking about, where it automatically adjusts to what you need versus like a binoculars where you're like leveling it in and you're trying to figure out your own prescription to see where you want to go. I think those types of things will make a big difference. I would see also that we could see a move into, instead of putting a knee brace on or a wrist brace on or your orthotics, that they may automatically adjust and be able to read where your issue is and apply more support where it needs to be and also give feedback to your orthopedic doctor or whatnot. Very interesting. So you've also written a book on multi-generational living and it's something you have personal experience with and I'm sure many, many stories. What are some of the joys and challenges of multiple generations living together? When we did it and we had four generations in one home. So I had my grandmother who was 92 with Alzheimer's, my parents in their late seventies, my high schoolers and my husband. And I didn't realize we get along so well. I didn't realize there was a certain, and I guess I've never had that in my life. I'm just learning how to do it, where boundaries need to be set. So big Italian family, there are no boundaries. There are no lines. So we had to start having some boundaries. Like my sister would just walk in the front door and I love my sister, but it's not my mom and dad's house. It's my house and we all live together. So, hey, knock, I don't. (laughs) And it was perfectly okay to do that to my grandma or my parents when they're homes. But my home is not that. Little things like that. Storage was a huge issue. Like I didn't think it was going to be. But depending on the generation, there was a different level of privacy that was not only required, but assumed. So my grandmother, back in her day, nobody asked how much you made for a living. What were you doing? You didn't ask your age, those types of things. And then when you carry that through on storage, if we if my kids, I sent them down to the basement and they were going through things and they started rifling through her stuff, they thought it was fun and she was very offended. So working through those types of things, I think you have to, so those are kind of like the little tiny things. The wonderful things, oh gosh, I didn't even realize I didn't know my grandmother until we lived together. Like she was my grandma and she was a wife and she was a mother. I found out that she played point guard on the girls' basketball team. Oh. And and she was 92 years old when she started living with me. I didn't even know they allowed girls to play basketball. She was a violinist. She was lead in the high school musical. Like, I just saw her as a grandma, a mother, and a wife. She never drove, so I didn't really see her. And this is sad, but I didn't see her as any value out of serving other people. And, yeah. and I wish I would have known that sooner. And then some of the other things were, as a parent, you're real hard on your kids. Having the grandparents and the great-grandparents there, if something happened, my children were able to come home and my grandma would say, you know what, 15 years from now, you're never, this is not going to be a big deal. Or don't worry about it. I'll talk to your mom, my mom would say, or something like that. And it really provided a buffer for them with healthy generational wisdom. They played a long game. And on the flip side, my mom said she was felt a little bit like a vampire. Like anytime all the kids would come in, like all my kids' friends and things like that, like she just sucked up the energy and she felt better and she was happier. 
because I, I said, are you worried? Does it upset you that we have so many other kids here with young life and band and soccer and all the different things? She's like, no, it is like taking, it is like being a vampire. Like, I feel like I like lost 50 years. So I think there are benefits on both sides and they far, far, far outweighed any of the kinds of things that we had to work with through. And had I known about the things beforehand, I'd probably done a better job. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book, to help other folks. Well, thank you for sharing the stories. You had me at point guard, talking about your grandmother. So that's fascinating. But to really see other dimensions, learn other other parts of her life that weren't really known to you, you know, until it started learning together. So you've got a lot of interesting professional projects. And tell us about the redesign of the Warner House and Airbnb with the mission. Well, that was an interesting thing and and probably shouldn't have happened when it did, right when COVID started, but it did and and it'd be a blessing. So when my grandmother passed, thought a lot about the fact that we couldn't tour anybody through the house. With Alzheimer's, it was very disruptive to have just tours coming through. She knew the kids' friends and all that kind of thing, but people wanted to see how we had done what we had done. And I was driving past this house and I saw it and I just knew that I was supposed to have it. And it was this historic manor house that had been not really kept up for a long time. And within a week, I walked through and bought it and then prayed a lot about it and realized that I was supposed to create a place where I could showcase all the cool stuff and the gadget, but let people live there. Like you can come and Airbnb it. Like you can try out a tub that allows you to get in and out easy. You can try out, you know, 12 different bidets and see which one you like, the elevator in the house, the smart flooring, the height adjustable cabinets and all that. And so we always traveled with my parents and grandparents. And I found that Airbnbs were not conducive at all for the older members of the family. Tons of steps, hard to get in and out. And I thought, what if we could have a place where everybody could come together and there was no barrier? It was good for everyone. And they could have the best time in their life and create memories and then maybe be passively educated along the way. So that's what we did. And then we created a mini docu-series on Amazon about it. Such a great combination of things and the ability to try them out. Tell me a little bit about the smart floors. So my first book, The Future is Here, Senior Living Reimagined, which is, seems like forever ago, is probably eight years or I don't know, longer ago that I wrote that. There's this company in Germany that had created this smart flooring. And the idea was Europeans and the Japanese have this kind of issue where they're not having kids as much as Americans are or other cultures. And so they've looked to technology to help their seniors be more independent and have more dignity and live in their homes longer. So the flooring has the ability without having cameras on you or a motion sensor to read where somebody's at. And then it, it can tell if you've fallen versus just sat down. And you can hook it to an if this, then that to be able to say, hey, I want you to call my daughter if this happens or your daughter or whoever would be setting that up. Or when my feet hit the ground and I get out of bed, have it turn the lights on in the bedroom. It can also say, you know what? Mom's gotten up five times tonight in the middle of the night. And normally she gets up three. So I'm going to send a note to her doctor or to the daughter. There might be an issue with her medication. And if I call mom and say, how are you doing? She's going to lie. She's going to lie her pants off because she does not want to be a burden. She doesn't want to be ripped out of her home and go into senior living. So those types of things can be very helpful to preemptively 
help her to stay there longer, but keep her safe and not really invade her privacy. Appreciate that. So you mentioned falls before, because falls are a huge risk, obviously, as we get older. What's your advice for fall prevention? Okay, so well, one of the things that I created in the basement was I converted the basement to a spa called the Chutzpah and brought in basically all the technology that I had experienced from NASA athlete tech, NASA astronaut technology to high-level athlete to German spas and Japanese spas that really help with longevity. What we find is that you have to move. You have to move. And Americans don't move. We watch a lot of TV and then we get in the recliner and then we sleep in the recliner and then we move to a ranch and then we really don't do steps. So steps are one of the things that move the lymph through your system. And we now know that lymph helps to move the plaques out of the brain. It helps to keep circulation and blood flow through your brain. Arthritis, how you handle that is not just taking pills, it's moving. Anyone knows that my body's a little cranky in the morning, but once I get going, I can do that. So doing exercises on things, Lifetime Vibe, which is technology developed by NASA, but it's safe technology as handholders. It's basically like it shimmies and shakes you while you do some small exercises and it engages all the muscle groups instead of static muscles. That helps a lot with balance. It helps a lot with incontinence as well. Smart Fit is another one, which they found with professional athletes, that if you give your brain something to do while you're doing an exercise, you will actually be able to do much better. You can recover about 50% bad faster because your brain gets in a fear factor. And it's like, no, I don't want you to bend down because you might fall again. Nope, nope. And if you give that brain a math problem or tapping ABCs or something like that, while you're doing an exercise, much better. Um, saunas, we have a sauna that you sit in, that your head's out, so you don't have to worry about like your blood pressure or passing out. You can read a book or work on your phone or laptop. That reduces blood pressure, helps with arthritis, and it just gets it moving. And then we have a hot, cold spa that not one of those ones that the people do where it's like an ice bath and then they sit in it, which I hate. I have to say, I hate it. <laughs> it it's This is Sebastian Kniep. He was a Bavarian priest, like 1879 or something like that. And he found that if he walked people with tuberculosis in a cold creek and then walked them in warm water, that they would get healed. It, it kicks off your circadian, not your circadian, but your autoimmune system and really helps you. And it's super easy. Massage is really great for you as well. But I think doing steps safely, and I'm not talking steps when you go outside when it's icy out. I'm talking just little steps, take your time, wear the proper shoes when you're doing things and then do some exercises. But we can help ourselves not fall exponentially by doing those types of things. Recognize also if you have drop foot, there's an FDA product out there that attaches to your knee that will lift your foot up a little bit. It sends a signal and it'll help you with that. People get that get drop foot or neuropathy, a lot of times just stop doing anything and that's a really not a healthy thing. And I'm not a doctor or a nurse or anything like that. This is just things I've experienced in my life with my own family. Appreciate that. So Lisa, what's one new gadget or piece of technology that you're looking forward to trying in the new year? Hmm, that's a great one. I am really looking forward to trying a some new companion robots. 
some of them get a little creepy. Some don't do well rolling around. There are some ones that are kind of security oriented. Some are a little bit too childlike in my mind. There's some stationary ones that are very, very good, but I'd like to have something that moves with me. And they've got the suitcases that are doing it already. They've got other things, Pepper. But can I get something that kind of moves around with me or helps me? I've got a brand new cat that I, with artificial intelligence, that really reads you, eyes open and close and reacts to you. I think the companion devices that can help reduce our loneliness and make us a little bit safer and maybe help clean are great. We've had the rombas, we've had the the robots that clean the floor for a long time and now they've moved into a security robot that roams around at night and will call the police if anything. But I'm looking for something that combines all of those together and there's some been some very recent ones that have come out that we may be trialing soon. Great to hear. Brings back bad memories for me of an early version, very early version of the Roomba, which I bought as a Christmas gift for my wife, which did not go over well. <laughs> no, it didn't go over well because you bought her an appliance or yes. like a spa or a vacation yes. or because, yeah, my husband bought me an appliance one time and I'm like, really? This is a gift for all of us. It's not a gift for me. Like you want to get me a massage? That's great. Or something special. but. Don't, I, because I honestly, I think he bought me a Rambo too as that. And I was so mad I took it back. Yeah. Well, I learned. Uh, I also was really amazed that it could be as a Frisbee. And... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I did notice that gash in your head a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the lesson, lesson uh, well learned. But Lisa, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. It's been great. Again, really appreciate reading your book and just all the possibilities that are opened up by the things that you talk about and put in place and, and test out. So thanks. Thanks again. Oh, thank you. And if anybody wants to check us out, just go to lisamcini.com. And we have links in to all these things in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks. So it's time to turn some of the insights you heard today into some actions for your to-do list. Number one, what will you need to age in place? Identify what modifications you'll need stage in place first from a safety point of view, in particular fall prevention, I would recommend. And then look at things that you'll need that'll enhance your living space and allow you to thrive in place. And my suggestion is to watch the Werner House documentary for some ideas, because you'll really see a lot of design features that Lisa talked about. And you'll find a link to that in the show notes. Number two, what technology can you try this year that could enhance your living space? There are a lot of tools out there, and I'd recommend starting small. Try something. Add something into the mix. Talk to family members. Look online. Get some ideas again from the documentary. But look to try one new piece of technology this year to experiment with that may enhance your space. Number three, if you're planning on aging in place, talk to some who are. I think this is always a good practice. If you're thinking of going down that road, talk to people you know and others who they know they recommend you talk with who have walked down that road and see if you can benefit from their lessons learned. Ask them things like, what do you know now that you wish that you knew when you were at my stage considering doing this? But do your homework, talk to people, you'll get some great ideas. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. It's a free retirement school. You can find all of our episodes to browse at retirementwisdom.com. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. 